Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Hey everybody, Pastor Justy Smith here from Rock Creek Family Church, hoping that you are doing well this Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you, and welcome to our midweek Bible study. Thank you so much for joining in, for being with us. We are wrapping up a very long series, I get that. Not quite as long as Revelation, right? But wrapping up a pretty lengthy series, but yet something I thought was so, so important, and that is all about how... God wants us to live in accordance with his kingdom and his kingdom principles, his, his ways, his will, his word, uh, even in the midst of a time in, we, in which it seems crazy and it seems like um, all of the, 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 the forces around us seem to be at conflict. And, you know, and I think God is, is calling his people now more than ever to live with a spirit of peace inside of them and upon them to hold their peace, to stand their ground, to know who they are in Christ Jesus and to move forward in that. Yes, we are called to move forward. We are called to walk. We are called to walk. Now, sometimes that walk starts with a stand. Sometimes that stand starts with an intention and a purpose of of getting up out of what you're in now. And I know that God is calling us to, to walk by faith, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight as we wrap it all up. We have been talking about the influence of the Holy Spirit. And in the last four weeks, this being the fourth, uh, we have been talking about something called kingdom living choosing to live in accordance with the kingdom of God, no matter what other kingdom you find yourself in. And also looking at that from the perspective of Daniel and his friends and seeing how they held their peace and they they walked with God and continued to serve God, even in the midst of a really, really hard time for them. So if you will, you can turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter three. We will jump in on that in just a second. We are going to begin, while you're turning there, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. So while you're gathering everything and you're getting yourself ready to hear the word, which I know is going to bless you, I know it's going to be encouraging to you, let's just go to the Lord with a word of prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you. You are so good and so faithful. God, we give you praise for being who you are. We give you praise, Lord, for loving us the way that you do. We give you praise. You are to be glorified and exalted in everything. God, in fact, that's what I pray, that this word that goes forward, may it go forward. May it be like seed purposely sown and planted into the hearts of men and women and and, and young men and young women who are are striving to walk in accordance with your kingdom of God. May it go forward with them and may it increase the encouragement in them. May it it increase faith in them and may it grow in them in an exponential way. Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in our earth as it is in heaven. Maybe even our earthly heart, our earthly situation. 
Lord, let it be done. Touch those who need to touch. Heal those that need healing. Bless those that need to, need to be blessed. Uh, be with those, God, with, with just a, a, a spirit of, of comfort and peace with those that need it, those that maybe someone's really troubled in their mind right now. I pray, Lord, that you speak peace into their mind. Use this word in a powerful way. We love you. We thank you. We give it all to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So yes, today we we're talking about walking by faith, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about growing in godliness. Then we talked about cultivating dynamic devotion. Then we talked about pursuing holiness last week. To This week, we're moving into walking by faith, which is really taking all of those other things we've already talking what we've already talked about and put it into motion put it into practice faith without works is dead right so we're putting into this practice this working motion uh, of of living the way god wants us to live and then in that life trusting trusting and having confidence and knowing that god can take that offering even though it is not perfect but god can take that offering consume it by his fire by his presence, by his word, by his will, by his way, and move it forward in the kingdom of God to do his kingdom purposes. Uh, we had been talking about uh, these things by looking and, and kind of analyzing, if you will, some of the things that Daniel and, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what they had gone through and, and how they held their faith in the midst of a very trying time. I'm not going to redefine that trying time, uh, not too deeply, because we've already done that over the last few weeks, but just know that if this is your first time to, to hear this, I just want you to know that they were, they were plucked out of their life, their current uh, faith-filled life situation, and, and, and removed from, from their their, their culture, their family, their religious system, their political system, they were completely plucked up and removed from that and put their test, their, their faith to a test in a completely different situation, different, different culture, different uh, leadership, different religious system, different everything was just completely turned upside down for them. And, and, and they could have chosen to, to just kind of sit down and pout and say, poor woe is me. Why am I here? Why are we in this situation? I loved God. I served God and I don't deserve this. We could have went through all of that, but they chose not to do that. But they chose to live by faith and see what God could do in their life. Now, We've kind of already touched this. I want to touch it again. One of the one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the book of Daniel, other than the revelational part, the beast part, and the Daniel and the lion's den part. This is also one of the most famous parts in the book of Daniel. And I want to touch on this, and we're going to use this to talk about walking by faith. All right, here we go. Daniel chapter 3 verses 16 through 18, then we'll skip down to verses 23 through 25. So Daniel 3, 16 through 18, and verses 23 through verse 25. 
Here we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image in which you have set up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. We skip down to verse 23 now. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. So here we are, this, this passage of Scripture that is very famous about the three Hebrew children being thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down and worship the golden image that was set up for all of the country, to, for all of the, the, the the kingdom, if you will, to, to bow down and worship at a certain point in time, usually when the, when the music was played. And, and they found out, obviously, that there were three people not doing so. Most likely Daniel was in that group too, but he was probably either removed from this situation in, a, in another part of the kingdom or something. So you have these three leaders, Hebrew leaders, if you will, and, and uh, as they're entrusted with leadership in this new kingdom, they still have a choice to make. And that is the choice of making sure that they are only going to serve God first and then with respect serve those underneath God. Um, even if they were not exactly serving God the way that they should be, being the King Nebuchadnezzar we're talking about, uh, you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, hey, I'm going to respect the king. I'm going to respect him as, as someone in authority, but I'm going to fear God only, right? I'm going to respect you, Nebuchadnezzar, but I'm going to fear God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So they chose to be wise in this moment and do things God's way. And God said, don't bow to any golden image. So they didn't. They chose not to do so. And because of that, they walked in this fiery furnace, right? They, eventually they were bound and they were tossed in this furnace. And then the, the, the furnace actually burned the ropes that they were bound in. They then stand up free and begin, here we go, walking, if you will, by faith in this fiery furnace, but not alone. For we see that there is this, this premonition of Jesus Christ uh, walking with them. So that's why we say this is about walking by faith, walking by faith, boldly, intentionally, and diligently seeking to walk with God. Now let's go deeper in that. And what do we mean by maybe walking with God? Well, first of all, we, we, we got to talk about how we do it boldly, right? How we, how we live boldly for him. That means that we fear him only. We fear him first and foremost. And, and when I say fear, I, I mean reverence, respect, being complete, all of him only. Um, 
We're going to talk a little bit more about the actual emotional response of fear, but let's handle this first one uh, about boldness and realizing that to be bold and courageous means that it doesn't mean that you don't have any fear at all, but it means that you have a higher respect for the one who has the ultimate control of the situation. And you be bold in that understanding, be confident in that understanding that he's got you. He had them, whether they died in the fire or whether they didn't, their soul, their spirit was in his hand. What happens to the body is temporary, it's temporal. And as bad as it may seem for a brief moment, it's a blink in the eye compared to all of eternity in existence. So we gotta know, you gotta be bold with this. Now, not bold doesn't mean arrogant, bold doesn't mean self-righteous, bold doesn't mean brash, Bold means confident standing in, in the knowledge and the conviction and the confidence the, that, that you know that you know God has it all in his hands and he is in control. Um, intentionally, you don't, you don't accidentally climb a mountain. You don't accidentally uh, uh, have a strong marriage. You don't accidentally have a great relationship with somebody. You don't accidentally walk from point A to point B necessarily. You, you, it has to be done with purpose and intent. God has an intent and a design in your life, just as he does in my life, just as he does in a lot of everybody's life. He said, I knew you when you were in the, in the womb, Jeremiah. I knit you together. I, I formed you. In fact, I knew you before that. And, and I have this plan for your life. He's got a plan for every one of us. He, he, he was intentional about making us. So we need to be intentional about taking this creation that he gave us and, and serving him with it to the point where we understand it's him that has made us and we are his workmanship. And all of these things that come into our life to, to even maybe produce fear or stress in our life, that he's maybe allowed them in a way that is going to shape us and mold us. And that's going to bring up a point that basically says, you know, fear is, is fear gives faith a place to work. All right. A lot of times when we think of fear, and now we're kind of talking about the emotional response to fear. We think we think fear and faith are like polar opposites, right? Uh, that that uh, if we have faith, then we shouldn't have any fear. And you know what? I think that's a uh, a misinterpretation. I think that's a, a. I think we. It's a misnomer. I think we we miss the point of fear and even faith whenever we look at it like that. Because uh, if we're not careful, if we see them as polar opposites, if we see fear is is over here and faith is over here, like north, south, east, west, cold, hot. You know, it's complete polar opposites. Then. The enemy would love to use that to shame us and degrade us and beat us down when we have just even a little bit of fear about something. And the enemy would come in and say, oh, you're not as good as you say you are. You're not, you're not as close to God as you say you are. You're not as righteous and holy and, and, and great as you say you are. And if you were where you should be with God, you wouldn't have any fear at all. And you know what? I think that's a lie, okay? I know that's a lie because the enemy, if he's saying that, that's got to be a lie. And, and, and if he's a liar, the father of lies, then that's obviously the lie. So let's flip that on the other side of, and the other side, and let's see then what the truth is. 
fear is, is actually an emotional response for the most part. It's made up whenever endorphins and chemicals and things, when they fire and adrenaline, when it fires in your body, it's something that may happen or some possibility that may happen. And whenever it does so, it is actually to give our body, to give our mind, to give, to give us this warning that something bad could happen. So really, that's a good thing. Fear is actually a good thing, right? Uh, um, I, we know that fire is extremely hot. Now, while it can be very useful, it can also be very dangerous. So we respect it. We fear it. If we are, if we see that there is some danger up ahead, if we see we're approaching the edge of a cliff, right? When, when our toes are hanging off the edge, most of us would be afraid. If someone were to come and hold a gun to our head and say, do something or else, most of us would be afraid. Um, it, it's going to be a natural response so that, uh, so that some chemicals can start moving and we'll either fight or flight, right? It's a natural thing. I think God put that in us to help us. Uh, I think he designed fear to actually help us. But what happens is that we allow, if we're not careful, fear to control us instead of help us. Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Fear is not the polar opposite of faith. Fear is the canvas, the medium, the, the marble slab, the, the clay, the, the potter's wheel. It's the medium in which faith works. Fear gives faith a place to work. Fear gives courage and faith purpose. Well, if it wasn't for fear, would we even need courage? If it wasn't for fear, would we even really need faith? So that's why a lot of times God will allow some things in our life to make us be fearful or allow us to have this sense of fear, not that we be controlled by the fear, but that he uses fear to to aid our faith and, and engage our faith so that it rises up intentionally to serve God even in the midst of that, to make a choice, to intentionally make a choice to do that. So we need to boldly, boldly have this, this um this confidence and this trust in God that, that he is in control, even in the midst of fear, just as they did. You know, the king in a temporary and an earthly sense had complete control over that. King Nebuchadnezzar had complete control, enough to say, let's bind them up and throw them in the fire. Now, as much as they respected that, they were not afraid because God had helped them process that fear with something greater called faith. So they were bold in that. They were intentional in that. They didn't accidentally tell the king, oh, you know what? I, I don't know if we're going to serve you today or not. I don't know if we're going to bow. We're just going to see what happens. If it's been done with the wind blows this way or that way. No, they were very intentional in saying, listen, king, sorry, bud. We, we serve, we worship, we bow to God only. Now, if you ask us, if you ask us to help you out with doing some, some things, we're going to help you out. We're going to respect you, but we're only going to worship God. We may serve you 
king, but we're going to worship God only. And we're very intentional about that. And then last, they, they were also very diligent about that. They, this was not something that they lived on like, you know, two days a week. This was something that was part of their life. Every day they prayed. Every day they sought to walk with God, even in the midst of a very crazy, very hard time. In fact, I would dare say that even more so because of the crazy hard time. Oh, let that, be a, let that be a warning system. Let that be a light. Let that be an alarm that goes off in our mind. Do you think maybe we're in a crazy time right now because God is wanting to say, hey, let's increase your faith a little bit. And maybe you've been going through some things. You've been wondering, man, why in the world am I going through all of this? Because I think God is saying, all right, I'm giving you a canvas. Let's begin... Let's, let's begin painting faith. Let's begin processing all of the things that you're going through by faith, by faith. And then they were, they were diligent. They were diligently seeking to honor God. They were diligently seeking to serve God. And that was not based on, on where they were at at the present moment. It's not like they, they were seeking diligently to, to serve and love God while they're in church, but then on Monday, they chose to do something different. Uh, that's not the way it worked in their life because it's hard to have faith when you don't fully trust or fully lean. We show we have faith in a chair when we fully sit down and lean on the chair. When we fully trust, it can hold us up. Well, we serve someone way bigger than the chair, way greater than the chair, who has always faithfully held us up. So they were diligent in this fear. You know what? Sometimes it's really hard to, to read these passages of Scripture and to really fully grasp what was going on in their heart, in their mind at the time. Because it doesn't really say in Daniel chapter 3, we don't read through there, and there's no mention of the fact that maybe they had a little inkling of fear that said, ooh, this, this could turn out pretty bad. Or maybe Daniel was being thrown in the, in the lion's den and do you think maybe there was a possibility that a thought crossed their mind that said, uh-oh, this could be a scary situation? Well, absolutely it did. Because uh, they were humans. They weren't superheroes, okay? They were, they were humans, just like you, just like I. And I know you might not be scared of a lion's den, and you might not be scared of, of, of a fiery furnace, but maybe you're scared of heights, or maybe you're scared of water, or maybe you're scared of spiders or snakes or Something crazy, you know, maybe you're scared of something crazy. I don't know. Um, so we're all scared of something. And anyone who would say, I will never be afraid of anything. That sounds really good. That sounds really, really, really good. But I don't think it's totally true. In fact, I, my oldest son asked me not too long ago, Dad, what are you really afraid of? What are you really afraid of? And, you know, I can only think of two things that I'm really afraid of. Now that's not to say if someone uh, jumps out of the bushes and says, ooh, boogie boogie, that I'm not gonna get a little, a little nervous or a little scared. 
but to, to, to know that ultimately there's only two real things that I'm really ultimately scared of, and that is not standing before my God and him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the second thing is, is I do as a father and as a husband, I do always kind of worry and I'm always afraid of, you know, making sure my family is taken care of and safe. But that's, again, not to say that I don't have little fears that pop up from time to time. That's natural. It's a natural response. If we didn't fear certain things, we wouldn't treat it with respect. And I think God wants to use that to help us have a place for our faith to work. Let me give you another passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul writes to uh, Timothy, his kind of spiritual son, if you will. Timothy taking on a, a pastorate role of a church. Maybe Timothy's a little worried about how all this is going to play out because he's a pretty young guy. Paul gives him a word of advice and says, you know what? God has not given you a spirit of fear. So what he's saying is that fear is not a spirit, okay? It's not this looming dark spirit that's going to control you. Fear is a voice in the car, but it's not the one behind the wheel, okay? God's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's giving you the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is going to cultivate in you a life that knows how to process that fear the way God wants you to process that in a spiritually rational way. Maybe that makes a little sense. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power. Power. Why power? Power to... Because fear has this way of maybe zapping your power, right? Where you fear, you fear so much because you feel powerless against the situation, but Paul says, no, you have the power to handle that situation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have the power to handle this moment. You have the power. So what you got to do is walk in that power. Walk in that capacity. Walk in that spirit. Those that walk after the spirit, they'll receive life. Walk in that power. Love. Why love? What does love have to do with fear? Well, everything, because the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. What that means is that if you truly understand love, then you truly understand that God is love. Not love is God, but God is love. That means that everything God does is, is he's going to use to help you, to, to draw you closer to him, to increase your faith. To, to Yes, maybe even we go through some things, but you got to know that God loves you enough to bring you through those things. And at the end of it all, God, the one who loves you enough to create you in the first place before you ever even had a say-so, he's going to love you. He's gonna, he loves you enough to walk you through all of this. He loves you enough to invite you in this fear to come walk with him. Just as Jesus walked in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And sound mind, or some translations say self-control. Why sound mind and self-control? Well, it's because, again, fear can be an emotional thing, can be an emotional response that, that causes us to, 
to, to lash out and do something or whether it's fight or whether it's flight. It can cause us to do something uh, maybe that's not natural or, or maybe maybe causes us to, 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 to think a certain way or do something that that's, would try to control us. But Paul is saying, Timothy, don't be controlled by the worry and the doubt and the fear of life. It's okay to have it in your in the background. It's okay to 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 use it for some wise counsel. Um, you know, whenever I'm trying to do something and I want to make a wise decision about it, I want to know the pros and the cons. I want to know what's good and what's bad, so I can make a wise decision. I, I don't want the con to make the decision, and I don't want the pro to make the decision. I want to make a wise decision based on this, based on on all of the facts, right? Fear is just one of those voices that it's okay to say, okay, uh, it's okay to speak up, but but uh, let's put you in your place. We're 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 you you have you fear you may have an opportunity to speak up, but faith you're the chairman of the board and you run this meeting. So as soon as you're finished with fear, you take the gavel, you knock it on the on the table, and say we've heard enough of you. Now let's know what to do. Let's process this. Faith helps you with that and. Paul says, you've been given a Holy Spirit that has this sound mind, this self-control to it, which, by the way, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. He wants, uh, God knows you need self-control because other things would try to control you. Um, Faith is, uh, so that means faith is not an emotional thing. Right, just as fear is more of an emotional thing, faith is not an emotional thing. Faith is is not an intellectual thing or a socio-economical thing, and uh, it, it's a heart thing. Uh, I believe in the book of Acts, chapter eight, whenever um, the eunuch wanted to be baptized, and Philip said, "Okay, well, if you believe in your heart, and then we can be saved. Right, you can be saved." Um, in Acts chapter 2, it says they were pricked in their heart and said, what can we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a heart thing. Faith is a heart thing. Why is it a heart thing? Uh, I talked a little bit about that Sunday, about why God chooses to be a heart thing, because uh, just as that illustration with the egg that a force from the outside can break the egg and actually destroy it and be be the end of life. But a greater force on the inside pushing out actually means life. Life is erupting. Life is happening. So he wants it to be a heart thing because he wants you to have more life on the inside, more power on the inside than the outside. If on the outside it begins to produce fear, God says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Let's let that greater thing be inside of you and let it push out and then that will in turn return into life, right? So faith is a heart thing. It's not an emotional thing. It's not an intellectual thing. Faith is not an intellectual thing. Now, I get it. I get the fact that the more you know about God, this, the easier it is to have faith. And I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I also get that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And I get that. But if faith was solely based on intellect and intelligence, then that means those who are a little less studied up would have a lot less faith, and those who have more degrees would have more faith. And that's not the way it works. 
Faith is, is, is across the board. It's an equal opportunity guy. Faith will, will, will work in everybody, no, my, no matter what your intellectual level is, no matter how many degrees you have or don't have or how much training you have or don't have. Look at what Jesus did with the disciples. They were not even intellectually trained the way that the Pharisees or the, uh, the, the, maybe the high priest or the priesthood, they weren't trained in the same way. But what did Jesus do with them? Something incredible through faith, through faith. Faith was kind of more of an equal opportunity rather than just based on intellect. And it's not based on socioeconomical where, you know, it doesn't matter where you have grown up or whether you've grown up in, in the good or the bad, uh, the rich or the poor. In fact, oftentimes those that are poor in the world are really rich in faith. I've been on mission trips where they had nothing compared to us in the physical sense, but man, their faith was on fire. Their faith was rocking compared to mine who had way more stuff. So faith doesn't work by stuff. It doesn't work by our own intellect. It doesn't work by our emotions. Faith works by being a spirit thing, a spirit of faith that works in you and you walk after that. And according to that, faith is, faith is that in fact, I'm reminded of another Bible verse, Hebrews 11 and 1. We're going to say this, and then I'm going to use a, a, um, another example of somebody who had the opportunity to walk by faith and see how that worked in their life. So uh, Hebrews 11 and 1, let's look at that really, really quickly. Hebrews 11 1 says, Now faith is. It's a present moment, diligent bold, intentional thing right here. Right now, faith is, faith is now, not faith was, uh, faith is, faith is right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, T.D. Jake says it this way, if hope was a cake, faith would be the ingredients, right? Faith would take and process all of those ingredients together and put it in a moment that would cause something to react, something to happen, called an oven. And as a reaction happens, and as cooking happens, then faith makes all of those ingredients come together. If hope was a cake, faith would be the ingredients. I think fear would be the oven. Or the fiery furnace, maybe, in this situation. It's the substance. It's the, the word substance can also mean realization, revelation that God is who he says he is. That's why whenever we get there and we face him, we're going to be asking you know, mainly one question. You know, he's going to say, depart from me. You never knew me. That's a sad thing to say that God is always wanting to reveal himself to you to increase your belief and your faith and your confidence in him. But yet we chose to believe only in what we see, only in our emotion, only in our own intellect. Faith is that substance. It's the substance that, of things hoped for and the evidence or the confidence of things not seen. 
You know, if I'm going to put somebody on trial, I'm going to I'm going to take all of the evidence I can so that I can be confident in the decision that I make. And we have a Bible, we have testimonies, we have all kinds of things that has given us evidence. Even in your own life, I will promise you, there are times you've looked at you can look at your life and you can see where God's hand had moved in your life, and that's evidence that gives you confidence that God is with you. And God's with you. If hope is a cake, faith is the ingredients, and I think fear is what activates all of that. Now, I know we have in the past used some New Testament examples in the Bible, and I used a few scriptures, but I want to go even newer than that. I, I want to go into a kind of more of a modern day situation that's not necessarily a parable or a story, but actually a true and real occurrence. And one of my favorite books that my, my lovely wife bought me one time is called On Fire, uh, On Fire by John O'Leary. Um, if you've never read this book, I highly, highly encourage you to read that if you're a reader like I am. Uh, go out and read that. If you're not a reader, um, buy the, buy the audio book and, or the, go download the audio book part and, and just listen to it. I mean, it will really help you. But at nine years old, he was playing with gasoline and fire and the vapor caught on fire before the liquid did and it burned his whole body. Um, to the point where they actually thought he was going to die. Pretty serious thing. Um, well, I want to pick up reading, and it's going to be a teeny bit, teeny bit lengthy, but it'll be worth it. I promise. Um, I want to pick up the at the at the part of the story where he comes to after being exploded by this gasoline and fire incident, and he, again at nine years old. Okay. What I remember next was a really big boom. The explosion launched me against the wall on the far side of the garage. My ears rang, my body hurt, my clothes were drenched in gasoline. I was on fire. I was on fire. I felt dizzy. Everything around me was ablaze. The only way I could get out of the garage was to go back through the flames. Yes, I remembered being taught to stop, drop, and roll. But I was so scared. I was in so much pain. I needed someone to save me. So I just ran. I ran through the flames. I ran up two steps and opened the door to the house. I ran struggling and screaming into the house, running around downstairs, not sure what else to do, yelling for someone, anyone to help me. I stood in the front hall screaming. I was still on fire. Two of my sisters came down the stairs and they looked at me, covered their faces, and then screamed in horror. Then I saw my older brother, Jim, and he raced towards me. He picked up the, the front doormat and started hitting me with it. He just kept swinging the mat into me. And then he tackled me to the ground, wrapped me in the rug, and carried me outside. The fire went out, but the damage was done. A few minutes later, the ambulance came hurtling down the street well, I tried to run to it, but my legs would barely move. So I hobbled, naked. My skin and clothes had been burned off. I was so hoping that no one would see me. I was so embarrassed. I was so scared. I was so cold. I just wanted to get inside. 
I climbed in the ambulance and Jim was right behind me, ready to hop in. Sorry, you can't come, the paramedic said as he shut one of the doors. Jim tried to argue with him and he explained that we were brothers, but the man just said, I am sorry, and pulled the door, pulled the other door to the ambulance shut. The ambulance pulled away through the back window. I watched my brother, two sisters, and the front yard while smoke was rising behind them. We drove away. That all happened this morning. Now I'm here in some emergency room and everything has changed. I feel desperately alone. And then I hear a voice in the hallway. Mom, it's mom. Finally, she's here. She always makes everything better, and I know she can fix this. I hear her footsteps coming closer. I see the curtain surrounding me pulled back. She comes right over to my side, takes my burned hand in hers, gently pats my bald, raw head. Hi, baby, she says and with a smile on her face. Oh, I look at my mom, and tears that I didn't even realize I was holding back begin falling down my cheeks. Mommy, I say, my voice shaking in fear, am I going to die? I know it's bad, and I so much want her warm encouragement. I want her to brush my fears away. I want to be cuddled and comforted with hope and reassurance. I want her to kiss it all away as only a mom can do. So I wait for the promise that she'll take care of everything as she always does, as she always does. Mom clasps my hand gently in hers. She looks deep into my eyes, gathers her thoughts, and asks me a question. John, do you want to die? It's your choice, not mine. That part of the book gripped me for the rest of the book. And he basically takes that moment that happened in his life and talks about how God used it to radically change his life forever in a very good way. Look him up sometime, you'll be blessed by it. But the part I wanna to get to, as horrific as that story is, listen to one of his quotes from this book. He says, you can't always choose the path that you walk in life but you can always choose the manner in which you walk it. Walk by faith. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. So, so thankful for your, for your faithfulness that outweighs mine by far. Thankful, Lord, that you love me enough that I can cast my cares on you, cast my burdens on you, cast my fears on you, because I trust that you care for me. Let that care and love cast out all fear. And let, as it casts it out, make room for the Holy Spirit to give me power, love, and a sound mind, self-control. God, help us to learn how to process fear by faith. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We hope to see you Sunday. Peace out. Thank you.
thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.